Yes, welcome to Unplug It, our fifth edition for 2019, and unfortunately a pretty bitter loss to take on the weekend, a 10-point loss to Carlton in a seesawing game, one of the more frustrating games that we've seen for quite some time, but a a 10-point defeat to a Carlton side that had all the hype, and now we play a Sydney side that's got all of the hype in their world tour of farewells and 300th games and everything else this week that we'd have to overcome, but we'll sink our teeth into all of that. Darren Parkin is my name. A big thank you to... To, uh, Lloyd Spiegel again for his brilliant uh, intro music. You can check him out at lloydspiegel.com. Nick Splitter and Aaron McGrath are our co-hosts as always. And boys, starting with you, Nick, nice to have you with us. And that one uh, stung a little bit on the weekend. Yeah, good to be back. It, it it really did sting. I mentioned last week I really hate losing to Carlton and uh, I still really hate losing to Carlton. I, it's funny, it was, it was one of those games that you mentioned seesawing up and down and, you know, we kind of... We weren't the better team on the day. I thought we no. we had our chances. We didn't take no. them, but um, you know Carlton probably would have been very hard done by if they'd have lost the game. And uh, they were they were just the better team on the day. H, uh, I guess that that probably sums it up a little bit. But your thoughts initially on on that one? That was a that was a, a tough day. Reasonably disappointing. Yeah, um, got one key reason as to why I really think it is a disappointing result. Um, I'll go back through that in the match summary later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, it's the sort of game that you sort of look at go, we had our opportunities, but just did not take them. Um, and we knew Carlton weren't going to be a pushover like they have been in previous years. So. Yeah, I think I, I think I know where you might be going with that one as well. We like to start with a throwback topic as well. And uh, we anticipate there'll be some St Kilda players whose careers are finishing. One good servant that we sense has played his last game for the club is David Armitage. No, obviously, official word uh, yet on that front. But there have been retirements everywhere in the AFL over the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, half of the Sydney Swans have retired uh, in the last couple of weeks in, in readiness for this contest. Contest, but I guess a, a question where it's an either or, starting off with you, Nick, either the, the retirement that upset you the most or surprised you the most from the Saints? Yeah, the, the one that upset me the most actually turned out to not be a retirement. And I remember I remember sitting in the stands after the 07 semi-final loss to the Demons. 2006. 2006? Yep. Uh, and and hearing, hearing word filter through the crowd that, that halves had announced his retirement in the rooms. And I remember just sitting there in the, in, in an empty stadium, uh, basically bawling my eyes out. Um, and then it turned out a few hours later that it wasn't true and it wasn't happening. And, uh, it was back the next year, obviously, but, uh, the, uh, similar feeling, um, you know, eight after his last game, it was just, even though we knew it was coming, it was, uh, just a very sad moment, for, you know, favorite player for so many. H. Um, a bit of a surprising one for me. It was, we got Luke Penny from the Bulldogs yeah. and he came across and found a position in the team, played great football, then all of a sudden just said, that's it. What, I reckon he was 23 or oh, something. Oh, he was very young, very yeah. young. Um, he had he had a career ahead of him for sure. He played played very good football. He's great defender. Yeah, 05 or 06. He was one of the guys we missed in the prelim of 05 and we had all our defenders out, Fisher mm. and all those people, and just needed one or two of them in and... Would have would have made all the difference. So, big, big body that yeah. very rarely got beaten. Yeah, very rarely beaten. It's hard to go past, obviously, Harvey's retirement, as you say, for the, the saddest. Even though we were forewarned in about round sixteen or whatever. But one that surprised me was at the end of '05, Ozzy Jones retiring. I think he was twenty nine. Uh, he'd he'd had those troubles. So started his career well, had those troubles in the early two thousands, and then three, four, and five, or two, three, four, five. He was a great player again, and might have been all Australian in '04, I think. 
and then retired after that prelim in in 05 and sailed off into the sunset. That was a, that was a bit of a surprise because he was not at the top of his game, but playing well enough and was still in his twenties. That that um that sort probably, of shocked probably us still a bit. had a few good yeah. years left in him as well. Yeah, one and, of those guys when in in full flight was incredibly hard to beat and and you just loved watching him. Didn't matter if you followed the club, you just loved watching Aussie Jones and and that running goal down the wing at, at the G in the 97 grand final is, is one of my favorite footy memories, regardless of, of result. Um, just incredible goal was, was just brilliant to watch. And one of my favorites as well, which we might finish on later is, um, you can actually find it on YouTube. Uh, St Kilda played Carlton at Waverley in 97 and he kicked at the same end of the ground, a goal from the boundary on his left and his right, 50 meters out on opposite opposite mm. flanks, uh, which showed his skill. He was, I think he was one of the better both sides players mm. that, that, that we've ever had play at the club, probably Goddard and, and maybe a couple of others would match that. But as we said, it was a, a tough day at the office. We'll jump into our Saints footy review. The Saints footy review. Hind looks up. He bounces away from him. Backs himself in. Another bounce. Runs to 30. And kicks an absolute ripper. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's been... I've never played backline in my life before, so um, there's been a fair bit that I've learnt this year and had to implement into my game. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it'll make me a better player going forward and yeah, I've absolutely loved it. Who's um, been formative in um, your remodelling into a backman? Um, well, I think um, Rats come up with the idea of me going down back and then... Um, Henry Playfair, he's been he's a backline coach, so he's been really good. And then learning off guys like um, Carlisle, Brownie, Wilkes, Robbo, them sort of guys, it's, um, it's pretty good. And, of course, that was Nick Hind kicking that belter, our first goal of the game at the start, and he was one of the better players. And also Josh Battle, who was a long overdue Rising Star nominee uh, on the back of uh, round 22 as well, his 16-possession game. Not the best game he's played this year, but certainly due reward. Yeah, initial thoughts on that 11-12, to 10-8, uh, I thought that after halftime we never looked like winning the game, but we nearly did anyway. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's 100% right. I... I like I said earlier, I don't think we deserve to win the game, um, but we got pretty close regardless. Even though we lost most of the key metrics, I think we lost basically all of the possession metrics, kicks, um, handballs, marks. We lost, pretty much lost everything. Funnily enough, we won hitouts for, for once. I think it's probably the first, maybe the second time all year we've won the hitouts. Uh, we won the clearances and we won the free kicks and we still lost. It's just because we we just weren't good enough. We did get the rub of the grain, actually. Mm. Except, yeah. for, except for... There were a couple. Yeah, there yeah. were a couple. There's yeah. always a few calls. You're sort of a bit like, yeah, better better than what we've had the last few weeks. So that's been definitely that was that was there is sure. there is one doing the rounds a bit on social media about Patrick Cripps being held a little bit at at, at one of the even though Marshall's been decapitated. <laughs> but there's a there's a couple of kind of facetious remarks about how how some of our blokes are being held. <laughs> two, and, two handfuls of jumper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I mean, a still photo can show you a thousand uh, absolutely, free kicks. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. unless it's moving footage. But um, yeah, well, I, I thought. Nathan Brown was an interesting one. I thought he started well, but in the end, his man was hugely influential in the last quarter. Yeah, I was, I was like many, a bit bit surprised when he was actually named. Yeah, um, I thought we might have been going with a bit of a quicker team, um, with their missing taller players and trying to run it out of the back line instead of being yeah the tall defenders. So his inclusion was a little, little questionable. I thought. And even though he played very well, I thought the moment of the match was straight after half time when um, 
Carlton were all over us but couldn't score. And then Tim Membry took a mark at the top of the goal square and missed. That would have put us 15 points in front. Yeah. That was that was probably the one. He played a good game, Tim, but if he kicks that goal, it, it just saps their energy. I think they kicked two goals in the next minute after that. Yeah, both the, both his behinds on the weekend yeah. were very gettable goals. He, he yeah. probably should have had five straight. Yeah, definitely. Plays well at the G, though. You mentioned, H, before that there was something at the start that was uh, – one of the things you wanted to address? Yeah, basically, as I was saying, the most disappointing part of that loss was the whole fact of both us and Carlton sitting in reasonably the same position at the moment at this time of year. Mm. Um, both, well, they've just signed their coach. We're about to sign a coach. Um, both at about the same sort of area of rebuilding. Um, it just would have been nice going into next season, looking at them going, okay, we beat you twice. Mm. We're at the same spot. We've got the wood over you. Just, just losing that game by the small margin we did, uh, it, it's just a bit of a heads up for them to take into next year saying, hey, we're ahead of them at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of those things that we've, we've had the wood on them for, for a while now, mm. um, and, and it would have been nice given we are so close still on the ladder and, and still at, at kind of similar points in, in young list development that, that, like you said, could go into next year still ahead. And and knowing that we're still better than you, and and I still think that we are slightly better than them, but they're, they're catching up pretty quick. They're catching up. Pretty you're quick. only as good as your last match. Exactly. That's the thing. Right. Yeah, they've so. they've got good raw talent in the sense of Cripps, Fisher, uh, Charlie Kerno, yep. Mackay, Dow, Walsh. Those sorts of Dow to a lesser extent, but Walsh. Those sorts of players. Um, but we've got we've got to hope that you know Gresham, Marshall. Uh, eventually King, these sorts of players, Billings, etc., represent that level of ability for us and maybe a Brad Hill potentially, yeah, which we'll discuss the, later. The fact that they know they can beat us um, you know, is, is disappointing. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of like how Melbourne could never get over us and yeah, still can't. It's just that mental yeah. thing that we had over them for a long time. Yeah. The only, I sense the only way Melbourne will beat us in these sorts of times is if they kill us. Uh, if, mm. if it's a close game, we will beat them every time psychologically because of uh, whatever that, that hold is we, we have over the top of them. Now, the votes are interesting since we've been running the votes and we will stockpile these uh, over the course of the season. But uh, Severos, 11 votes. Marshall, 8. Stephen, 7. Gresham, 6 on the back, mainly of last week. Steele and uh, Hanabry with 5. Uh, Hunter Clark. Uh, Tim Membry, three, Savage, Billings, and Bruce, two apiece. Who are we looking at in the 3-2-1? The and Jack Stephen, I think, demonstrated a bit of second-up blues uh, with uh, what we know is a lack of conditioning. Yeah, there's a bit of rust there from from Jack Stephen. I feel like the votes this week could really go in oh, many ways. There's a dozen players. It, it mm. was very <laughs> difficult. Um, I ended up going Jack Steele, three votes. I thought he was very good. Um, we know he can he can man up well on Crips. Um, he got a fair bit of the ball himself. He had 20 of his own and 14 tackles, which is really impressive. Uh, I went two to Dan Hanabry, probably not as much fanfare as, as the week before, but still had 24 touches, kicked a goal and eight clearances. Um, really gave us good good grunt work in the middle of the ground um, and forward of centre. And the one vote, I went Jack Billings. Um, influential again when he had the ball, 26 disposals, kicked a goal. Uh, and nine score involvements. I thought he was really influential for us. Um, and I've gone very similar this week, actually. Uh, I've given Jack Steele the, th- the three as well. He's had 14 tackles, 12 contested possessions. Um, kept Cripps yeah, reasonably he quiet. He, he he did the job that he was out there to do. Um, if, if Cripps got 35, then he's been wiped off the park, like Fife did the week before. So he did win a little bit back. 
Um, Dan Hannabury, too, being consistent. That, that's all we ask him to be consistent week in, week out. Um, 24 touches, uh, 13 contested, so he was um, right in amongst it, getting the ball out for us. And I got one, the memory. I yep. probably would have given him two or three if he'd kicked that five. Yeah. Yeah, he took 10 marks and, and kicked three, but yeah, the two misses yeah. were just five, so Five marks crucial. inside 50, which is yeah. best on ground. Yeah, so. if he nails them. Um, I gave three votes to Jack Steele as well, as we said, to restrict one of the best players in the comp to 20 touches. Great response to last week. Uh, two votes to Seb Ross. I think he's been in really good form, effectively under Brett Ratton. And one vote to Jack Billings. Lowe I almost flicked him just for one thing. He certainly deserved the vote. He was very good. But uh, he was obviously running beside Cade Simpson for some reason in the middle of the ground in that last quarter and allowed Simpson to carry the ball about 80 yep. metres. Yep. Just had to put a bit of pressure on earlier and not allow that easy just, kick if, inside if 50. he runs towards him, he's got to either kick on his right foot or the outside left out, yep. to, the, out to the wing. So Instead of finding not, an easy shot. He's yeah. not known for his defensive pressure. No. But it is something that he has improved out of sight this season. I th- thought that that is probably his biggest improvement this year was his ability to get amongst it and, and tackle hard um, and, and really chase hard. But, yeah, in that moment... Whether it was where the late game thing and he was tired or something. Potentially just bugging. But, it, you know, this, this has quite easily been his best season um, of consistent footy. Um, wouldn't be surprised to, to see him poll in the, in the top two, three, best and fairest. Um, and, yeah, just that, that one moment let him down. I think mm. if he watched that back, which I'm sure he has already... Um, he wouldn't be too happy. I'm pretty sure Rats wouldn't be too happy with that effort. But, um, you know, he, he's had a pretty good year and, and he had a pretty solid game outside of that. Yep. Just that, that last little bit of uh, polish, I guess, would be mm. what he needs. Yeah, I've got him leading our best and fairest on the overall votes I've sort of done every week, just narrowly ahead of Rowan Marshall, who was probably beaten. Before we jump into our issues of the week, it's time to welcome another special guest and this one, one of the all-time greats of the club. And it is our great pleasure to catch up with one of the greatest small forwards of all time and an all-time great of the St Kilda Football Club. Over 250 games, over 560 career goals. I speak of Stephen Milne. And uh, Milne, thanks for uh, giving us your time today. G'day, boys. How are we going? Going very well. We're going to start off by hitting you right between the eyes of the issue of the week. We've, we've heard Nick Rewalt and, and Brendan Goddard speak about this a lot. You played a lot of footy under Ross Lyon. You played a lot of very good football under Ross Lyon, he's departed the Fremantle Football Club. Are you one who uh, believes St Kilda should at least ask the question, or uh, do you feel that uh, that maybe his time at the club would be uh, would, would have, the way it ended last time might count against him? No, I don't think so. I think I was very shocked and disappointed yesterday, and um, a little bit upset the way it kind of unfolded over there. But it was, uh, if the Saints should ring him straight away and just. Just have a chat to see where he's heads at. I think um, you know, let bygones be bygones, and you know what happened in the past happened in the past. But I think uh, it'll be silly for the Saints not to um, even just pick up the phone, touch base with him, and see what he's thinking. So 
as Louis and BJ said, he was kind of like a father figure. And obviously, I heard Matty Pavlich today. Um, Sonny Walters, you know, couldn't talk highly enough of Ross, and I'm in that boat as well. Kind of treat him like a second father and a father figure, and um, we've got a big catch-up in a month, prelim weekend, which we do about five years now, and, um, you know, Ross is coming to that. So um, hopefully everything's going to cool down by then. Uh, Milne, what do you think set Ross apart for, for you in, in your career and, and, and for the boys at the club? What what made him such a, a special part of, of that unit? Well, I think he was just kind of... He was one of the boys, um, as, as Willie said. You, you know, we didn't like the softies, and if you did, if you went above and beyond um, and actually tried your hardest week in, week out and left no stone unturned, um, you know, he liked you, but if you didn't, it... Uh, it was very tough to get in. Um, and he was like one of the boys. You could have a beer with him, but he just wasn't all the coach. He was kind of like a mate as well. And it wasn't all just footy, footy, footy. You could kind of talk to him about life in general and, and stuff like that. So that's what kind of set him apart. And um, his relationships that he built with the players um, on and off the field. And, and obviously, we're still pretty close, um, you know, kind of five, six years down the track now. So Hopefully we're still doing these kind of prelim or the drawn grand final catch-ups in, in 20, 25 years to come. And it's like we're still at the club when we catch up. It's, you know, it's a, it's a long lunch and a long day, but it's like we're still at the Aberabran um, in the four walls, cracking jokes and, um, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So that's what sets him apart and that's why everyone loves him. But obviously over there to, to um, uh, footy town, um, it's pretty tough and, Obviously, it uh, hit him right between the eyes yesterday. It's unfortunate. Now, it seems like Rossi was a pretty bit of a, a bit of a hard taskmaster from the outside. He famously dropped yourself and Nick Delzano at one point. Uh, what was the message he gave you when that happened? Yeah, <laughs> that was a long time ago. The famous uh, dropping. Yeah, just obviously that week, Del and I just I think I had a couple of that game, but I didn't have any tackles or quite a no contested ball. So I was just kind of looking to get on the scoreboard and not do the hard work and. Um, he obviously sat myself and Dale down and said, "This can't keep going. We're, you know, we're losing, and we've got to set a set an example and set a standard at the club that um, this can't. You know, we can't do this going forward. So he kind of set the standard, and after that, I probably played my best footy, um, and Dale did as well after after we got got dropped. That was round thirteen, two thousand and eight. So St Kilda entered that game five and seven. If we look back historically, that may have been a turning point. We won eight of our last ten that year, made a prelim, and then obviously two thousand and nine was was outstanding. And, and two thousand and ten, do you did you sort of look back at that as a lot of clubs reference a line in the sand? I mean, you and Del Sano go out of the side for one week, come back and play great footy, and, and the side really launched from there. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it all on me that I turned the club around. But no, I think yeah, it was because he set a standard and and the culture, the club that you know it's not the it's a, it's a hard way, not the easy way. And I was trying to look for a few cheapies over the back, you know, kind of Joe the Goose is not working hard enough. And um and and Del and I changed after that. Our contested ball and tackling numbers went up, and and the team kind of changed. It wasn't obviously just us two, but it kind of set a set a standard for everyone at the footy club that it's going to be the hard way, not the easy way. Um. And moving forward, after that, you know, we kind of, um, you know, we had a massive win-loss ratio and I think there was a game in Perth where we went over to Perth and we sat down, I remember it like it was yesterday, we were five and seven and it might have been after that, after that, it might have been Gold Coast, actually went up to Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast to play North um, yep, yep. and we beat North, we were six goals down at half time and, and we come and beat North as well, so it was kind of a turning point for that year, but then obviously for nine, ten um, you know, and, and 11 moving forward. And then after that, um, you know, kind of everything went downhill from there, unfortunately. 
Just just one from me before I hand it back to the guys as well. Uh, just yep. unfortunately, through these podcasts, we've spoken about a lot of painful memories with close grand finals and things like that. But uh, one, and, and not to sort of give you sleepless nights, but that 2010 draw, and, and everybody remembers the famous bounce of the ball. From your recollections of it, um, some people who were sitting in the crowd said the ball was a long way away. The ball was further away than it seems on camera. How close was the footy when it yep. when it veered right? And did you have that thought in your head that I'm about to win us a flag? Yeah, well, I did. I did. Lenny kind of kicked, kicked it in, and I kind of, um, you know, had had Ben Johnson covered, and you know, kind of landed about, you know, kind of three metres, kind of in front of me. So it's kind of, if I dive for it and miss it, and then it goes over my head, and we don't like an idiot, or Mate, just might get you to rewind uh, a little bit back to the, the start of your career. Obviously, famously out of the, the Essendon reserves. How did how did that move come about? Is it uh, Johnny Beveridge special, or, or kind of how how did you make that move from the the red and black to the red, black, and white? Yeah, it was. I kind of did a. I've got kind of got overlooked in the draft, uh, '97 and '98 with the Daniel on Stingways, and I was doing a pre-season at Frankston, um, so I was in the Hampton Park. And Adam Amanaskis, who got drafted to Essendon, um, kind of rang up and agent Adoro, They were shorter numbers, so I just played a couple of practice matches and then ended up getting on the supplementary list. Three hundred dollars a game and ended up winning the flag against the Saints. Um, and then that year, Johnny Beveridge just yeah plucked me out. Um, kind of on the rookie list number 23, the, the bomber said they were going to take me late, but um, Johnny Beveridge kind of plucked me out of the blue, and um, next thing I was at the Saints, and um, yeah, 14 years later, um, you know, yeah, a few hundred games, and one club player, just, yeah, pretty proud. Now, we had your mate Schneids on last week, um, told us a couple of good stories and that, and I was just thought, maybe turn the tables, and got any stories that you could actually tell us on the air? Oh, Snides did. Oh, Snides is a, a classic Snides. Um, one of the guys that's... Uh, ne- I've never seen a guy that's so scared of skin folds trying to have any <laughs> life. Snides, Snides, um, Snides and I were a little bit chubby, and if you got uh, over 50 in the skin folds, you'd have to go to the Jenny Craig group. So <laughs> I was a little bit little bit skinnier than Snides, but not far. But Snides tried every trick in the book the night before the skin folds. I think he was more nervous of getting his skin folds done done than he was um, playing footy. He used to jump in the ice bath because he, he thought he'd, he'd, his tummy and that would shrink just before he would get the skateboards out. He uh, drank four or five litres of water because he thought um, his body would get bloated so they couldn't get all the fat. <laughs> so um, for a guy that um, didn't eat veggies um, and a lot of junk food, he did pretty well in his career, I was not. Uh, looking back also at the early stages of your, your career, um, your relationship with, with Grant Thomas, I know he at times was, was critical of what he perceived to be your form in finals, something that was very, very good in the, in the back half of your career, 8, 9, 10, through, through that period. But uh, I think he kicked yep. 11 against Brisbane famously, and, and he spoke about how uh, he wasn't even sure he was going to pick you in the final the, the following week. Uh, what was, your, I guess, your relationship like with Grant and your reflections on, on him as a coach? Yeah, I suppose Grant and I was a bit of a love-hate relationship um, with Tomo and I. Um, that was back in the day where you could actually get dragged. So as you as a forward pocket, it's a bit of a starvation corner down there. And if you didn't get a kick in kind of 10, 15 minutes, you would be off the ground for 10, 15. So it's pretty hard to get a kick and kick a goal when you're on the bench for 10, 15 minutes. So um, if Tomo was coach these days with the rotations, you know, I kind of might have get a bit more game time. But 
Um, and that was the early days when I was probably a little bit, little bit mature, immature, and I was kind of only 24, 25, and going on the big stage in 04 and 05 with Fraser and all that. So there were a couple of games that you know I wasn't proud of, but towards the back end when I got a bit more re- resilient and a bit more um, consistent, I kind of thought I uh, yeah w- was okay in a few finals, and obviously the 09 Granny wasn't it wasn't a great one, but um, you know the, the 010 wasn't too bad. So um, but Tom, I was great to the footy club. He, he, he treated every player like. Um, who was their own, and um, you know we used to go back to Tomo's house after the game and watch the replay and have a few beers and that. So, but it, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a love-hate relationship with old Tomo, but he still lives and breathes the uh, St Kilda Footy Club. Um, you know, he loves it. He, he lo- loves a good comment and loves getting up, stirring people up. Just to follow on from those eleven goals that Darren was just talking about, how was yep, it lining I'm up? To to talk about that tonight, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> how how was it lining up for that eleventh goal with the chant in the background? Yeah, it was pretty special. Look, look at it now. It was 15 years ago. So, um, look back at it now and only kind of talk about it when, you know, you're at a sportsman's day or lunch and, or doing an interview like this, just to go back and I think of mum's watched it about 10 times and I've watched it two or three. She's got the DVD and, um, I was just running full of adrenaline kind of that day. And I don't think I was never going to miss going back on, um, even the one on the boundary and, and the one straight in front. So that was a day where, Everywhere I went, the board just kind of landed in my lap. So unfortunately, it didn't happen a few more times. <laughs> um, Would have been a lot easier. Yeah. Really, there's another time the ball kind of followed you a little bit, and, and it's been uh, it's kind of been moved into into AFL folklore, and it's Rui's mark at the SCG. How, how yeah, can... I know. I was getting up for that, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> can you walk us through those those few moments? Do you do you remember it? Um. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I remember Robert Harvey kicking it, and I'm just kind of. Um, going towards the ball because obviously I was I was in front and I didn't even see Rui coming. Um, yeah, it was our first year, uh, Rui's first year. I think it was my first year as well, 2001. And um, I was lucky not to get King Carlson or anything. He kind of just brushed me, um, and I got up and kind of played the rest of the game. But I get no credit for it. It was my mark, and Rui just took it and hogged it. And um, I don't even think he got mark of the year. Did he get mark of the year? No, actually, Sam sure. got it. Yeah, yeah. I think he got mark of the yeah, week. Oh, that, that, mark yeah. of the week, but not mark the year. Of the week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, I get no credit credit for that at all because it was my mark that Rui was running back and he could have hurt himself and hurt me as well. So I thought, I think it was pretty stupid by Rui, actually. <laughs> it might, I, might, it. <laughs> I might be biased, but um, he didn't get mark of the year, but I think it's the greatest mark ever taken in the history of the game. So it's, uh, no, I'm with you. It was uh, pretty courageous. I mean, I reckon even Brownies was kind of second one against Hawthorne. one. That was pretty special as well. So, but I think, uh, yeah, Rui's was a lot better. We, we've often debated, I guess, our favourite Stephen Milne goals. You kicked... 560-odd for the club. Is there one in particular that you're like, well, that's my favourite goal? I mean, is it the one you kicked in the drawn granny to get us within a point because of its importance, or is there a particular spectacular goal that you uh, remember most? Yeah, that's probably the, the one in, in the grand final because we were that close, and I remember celebrating. I was celebrating too hard, and I went dizzy for a little bit because I went pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, I had to com- compose myself, but probably the one I put Adelaide when I had really head. Um, and uh, kind of, yeah, kind of dribbled it towards the into the goals, and then kind of go caught out of that chip. What a bit of a bit of a bit of a serve and a bit of a mouthful. That was probably my me, me favourite one because we were nine or ten goals up, and um, really dropped it or just went over Louis' head for once. So uh, I, I kind of got a piece of it, and um, yeah, that, that's probably my me, me favourite one. But obviously, the one at the grand final was was pretty special. I thought we kind of, yeah, we we had it there, and we we're about to overtake him. Mm-hmm. Mate, you you mentioned earlier some of the the stuff that you used to get up to with uh, with Snides. 
obviously you were you were known yep. as a bit of a, a prankster or a jokester at the club, and uh, there were a few other boys around the around the locker room that that would have been in that group as well. Can you can you tell us one of the the better pranks that you would have seen or been involved in? Oh yeah, Bakes was um, Stevie Baker was one of the best um, kind of at that, but one of the best ones was kind of getting the. A few of the young guys' cars, um, when they first get to the club and kind of moving their cars, you know, kind of two or three blocks away and you know, they walk out to their car and we're filming them. And one of the guys, I think it was Justin Sweeney, um, he, I think he played one or two games. Like, it took him like two and a half hours to find his car, which wasn't, which, which is pretty funny. And obviously the one where we put, I can't remember who it was, we put about 200 golf balls um, in the back of one of the boys' car and moved it to when he opened Opened all these doors, all golf balls just fell out of the car. So they're probably the <laughs> they're probably the, the two favourite ones. Where I've, I've got that done to me as well. The, the car it only took me about twenty minutes to find it, but um, yeah, they're probably the, the most favourite ones that I can I can tell on here. There's some other ones that you can tell, but <laughs> probably not the right place. <laughs> as we let you go, Milne, with the um, EJ Whitten Legends game coming up, obviously you're running around again. I imagine you'd be the type of player that would have a bit of fun. I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there that you know they, they see it as another opportunity to uh, to get 35 touches and and you know take the more, the more serious route. But but I guess that is a it's a very good cause and a good chance for for you guys to all go out on show. And uh, how do you feel about the AFLX concept? Yeah, a bit different, a bit different, but um, uh, I've been training. I think I'm going to go, go pretty hard at it and do the old Richie Vandenberg style, I think. So um, I think I'm going to go off the letter now. I'll be the complete opposite. I'll just be standing in the goal square um, doing nothing. But having a look at the list, standing in the goal square, I think I'll be getting kicked out of there because there's Fev, there's Brad Johnson, Ben Dixon, there's Jared Waite, um, so there's Travis Cloak. So between the six and seven of us, I'm not sure who's going to move far from the goal square. So going to be, you reckon you might be uh, able to give Ben Dixon a few goal-kicking tips? <laughs> well, he's a, he's a goal-kicking uh, <laughs> coach at, at the Saints. So, um, no, it should be a good night. Obviously, it's for a great cause. So, yeah, it's time to test. So, if you want to get out, get out there and test yourself, it only, it only takes a blood test these days. So, it's, you know, it's a massive cause. And, obviously, it's been going for about, oh, I think, 15, 16, maybe longer years now. In the last couple of years, I've kind of said no because I was still playing local footy and, um, I didn't want to play in case I got injured because we were kind of in finals and stuff. So this year, because I'm not playing, I thought it was uh, yeah, good op- good opportunity to play and um, and have a bit of fun and hopefully they can they can pack it out. It's a bit of a different kind of setup, but um, you know it should be good and try and catch up with all the boys after the game. That's where I probably did my best work. And it was good to see you and Bakes win flags in local footy as well. It was a good reward, and uh, you're a superstar for the Saints, Milne, and we appreciate you giving us some time uh, sharing some uh, some stories across your career. No, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Stephen Milne there, always great to catch up with uh, these uh, St Kilda greats as part of our interview series on Unplugged. You can listen back to Spider Everett and Adam Schneider on our uh, previous uh, podcasts uh, via the other uh, Wooshka channel and uh, Spotify and the like. You can check all of those out there. It is uh, time now for our Issues of the Week. The Big Issues. And I want to kick that off by just uh, playing you a couple of grabs. Obviously, with uh, the coaching situation up in the air, people keep bringing up the name of Ross Lyon. Um, I think he gets a bad rap because of the fact that, you know, he delivered us to within an inch of a premiership based on how he left the club, which did leave a sour taste. And I think the big thing that would stop St Kilda from hiring him is the alienation of 50% of the supporter base. But I'm going to play you, firstly, Nick Rewalt and then Brendan Goddard. The perception of Rossi is... and. and this is 
external perception is that it's only the top 25 players that he likes and he only likes the yeah, stars and he yeah. only likes the guns. That's not true at all. It, Rossi loves the blokes that have a crack. So on our list at the time, it was players like Rob Eddy and Andrew McWalter. I mean, they were, you know, they're Rossi's disciples because he, he valued and he put a, a, a high premium, premium on blokes yeah. that had it. The, the guys that, you know, did Ross, Rossi graded on were, you know, the softies or the ones that, you know, didn't necessarily yep. work hard all the time and got challenged and didn't like it. They're the ones in my experience that, that haven't gelled with Rossi. St Kilda, in my opinion, should definitely look at it, but whether, whether that's the best fit for him, only they know or Ross, Ross knows himself. What do we think of that? Well, I, I think you're, you're 100% right. The, the alienation of, of the fan base, at least some, if not a lot of it, could be a, a massive issue if, if the club did decide to have a chat with him. But um, look, he's a quality coach, and, and I think people forget, based on the way that he left and when he left, um, what... Uh, what the improvement that he brought to the footy club looked like and, and, and the fact that we were contenders um, for a, a period of time never really seen before at, at the St Kilda Footy Club. Um, everyone we played every week knew they were in for a fight um, and I, I would think that most teams every week they played us thought they were probably more likely to lose than win, which is a position that we haven't been in as a footy club very often um, in, in our history, um, and certainly since then. Um, look, he's a quality coach. You, you'd be remiss and, and not doing your due, due diligence to give him a call um, at, at the very least. But, look, uh, yeah, you, you're right. There, there would be a bit of a sour taste based on the way that he left. But, again, you know, he, he takes us to, to the finals again and, and to preliminary finals and, and grand finals and, or wins a flag, and all of a sudden that's forgotten. Um, and... and we love the bloke again. Um, it, it's it's very easy to forget the good times that that he brought to us in oh nine ten etc. And just focus on you know two thousand eleven and, and the end. Yeah, I think I think one of the key things was that we all do believe that he had the job before that final series had started. Then he's retired two players, mm. um, sort of still playing with the list before he headed off. And knowing he was heading off, mm. um, I think that's where a lot of the supporters have sort of gone. Hey, you, you played around with us. Why would we want someone who's done that previously to come back again and possibly do things that we really don't like again? Um, the only upside I could see to this being a, a road to take, give him a call. What are you doing? That sort of stuff is to try to increase the level of coaches we are interviewing. Mm. Um, whether that means, okay, Ratton's got to lift his game a little bit on what he presents to the club or someone else comes out from the woodworks as well. Because, um, I mean, with with I had a bit of a thought of with him gone from Fremantle, I'm wondering whether Brad Scott's still going to be on the availability list or not. Because I do have a feeling there could be a connection there. Yeah, perhaps. I think that's certainly a chance. Just a quick snapshot from uh, some of our contributors or some of our uh, listeners to the other podcast. So AJ Meyer says, hell no. Christian Bessel, no thanks. Clint Laverty, no. Jordan Pierce, maybe. Which is interesting. One of those people that uh, so it's a yes/no question, and they're, they're undecided, so sit on the fence. Steve Cram, no. Mike says no. Marl Vogel says no. Ian McNamara, Adelaide need him. Jan Casey, no. Ian Moyle says I won't renew my membership if they do. Never like those threats, but that's just me. Anthony Richards, pass. Andrew Johnston, that's a pass. Daniel Burns, no. With about six explanation marks. Shirley Saunders, no way. 
Saz Medcraft, no. James Wills, I'm with Rewalt. We need Ross back. Unload the war chest on him. So that's one yes. And Heath Morgan, no, God, please. No, 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 no. So um, only the one yes amongst all of that. So I guess the tribe has it's well and truly reactions. spoken. Strong yeah. reactions. And that, that sort of stuff, I think it's impossible for St Kilda to do it, even if they wanted to, for that very reason, uh, to, to hard sell. I think um, Brett Ratton's still in the box seat. I think he always was. I think they would have almost announced him this week had they have beaten Carlton. Um, they're every chance, obviously, getting rolled by Sydney, given the emotion around them, but but hopefully they well, can... Well, worked for Carlton last week. They signed yeah. their coach before they played this round. Do we do the same this week? And, yeah. <laughs> and and do Carlton sign off on David Teague if they know that, that Ross Lyon's available? Good question. I, I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought so. Good question. It's amazing that the timing of it all, but I mean, there's a chance it has no impact on St Kilda whatsoever because they might have just been in Brett Ratton all along, so... We'll see. A few more uh, contributions before we look at uh, some of the other stuff as well. Um, one from Benji says, what kind of currency do players like Nunes, White, Phillips have worth offloading a few of them in order to work our way to the draft? We have no picks between 6 and 50. I don't think White and Phillips would get us that. Nunes might. Uh, Nunes would get us, I don't know, second maybe somewhere in the 30s or something like that, uh, at, would be something. That, that's right. Whereas, um, yeah, Brandon White, due to limited footy, and Ed Phillips, teams are going to know, just delist him and we'll draft him later. Yeah, the only one you're going to get a higher pick from would be a Gold Coast or someone like that for them, um, yep. whether it's like an early third round, which comes in about the 30s, 40 sort of thing. So, And, and Scott Kevin off Twitter effectively alluding to the fact, or asking the question, I think, if there's enough mongrel in the side, basically, whether Hannes and Geary could fire them up and make them a bit unsociable. Um, and a few people have tweeted that we, we went into our shell a bit against Carlton and, and that happens a little bit in, sometimes in close games for us where we just stop taking games on. Yeah, I think the, the fact that Sydney have, I mean, not so much to play for in a competitive sense, but, but just in, in, a, in a pride sense with their uh, retirements, with, with Buddy's 300th, etc., they're going to want to get up for, for this game. And, and I think it's kind of a bit of a reaction to that. Um, you know, kind of let, let's give them a bit. Um, let's give them something to play for. Let's let's fight against them. Um, and, and like you said, the unsociable Saints um, is something that, that we haven't really seen for a bit. Um, it would be nice to see them come out and, and finish the game, you know, breathing fire. Yeah. Apart from apart from going out with a win, I don't really see the point behind Buddy playing this week. Um, taking away from the the players retiring, it seems. Um, why wouldn't they be going into round one next year? Going yeah. Buddy three hundred. No, yeah, I agree. And, Perfect showcase. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been a huge match for him building up right up until round one. Hopefully it helps us if McVeigh, Jack and Buddy are half dead, having not played for <laughs> three months or something for this game. Just before we look at the match committee, uh, reports over the last 24 to 48 hours are that the interest in Goldstein's gone cold, but instead there is interest in Paddy Ryder. 900 grand on the table for Brad Hill, as we understand it. And Carl Amon, I think, who's a, from a family of St Kilda supporters, would be a good get. But what do we think of 900k for... Uh, Brad Hill, and what do we think of Ryder? Just, just do it, Brad Hill. Just do, do it. it. Get it. Got to pay someone. Yeah, get it done. He's exactly the type of player we need. He's a best and fairest winner. He's a premiership winner. Um, just, just get it done. Do yeah. what you got to do and got, get him in. Got, got that pace that we don't have. Yep. Um, we've been asking for it and looking for it, and we've got the players to get in there and get the ball. We need someone out there running it away with it. We got Hind on one side, get Hill on the other side. Yep. You've got options everywhere that way. And if you want to contribute to, to us uh, via our, or, or shoot through some questions to us, obviously uh, you can comment on our Facebook post, which is facebook.com uh, 
forward slash unplugged. It is at unplugged on Twitter, unplugged podcast on Instagram, and unplugged at gmail.com. If you want to send all of that through, time for the match committee. Hi, Saints fans. Welcome to the Round 23 Injury Report ahead of the final game of the year against Sydney at the SCG on Saturday afternoon. Jade Gresham is banging down the door to play after recovering well from a fractured eye socket. He did train today, but his fate is currently in the hands of the docks, who will reassess him after training on Thursday and ascertain his availability then. Max King is flying on the track. He's recovered well from his ankle surgery. He's working with our running coach and really focusing on technique and getting some volume into him before the break. Dean Kent recovering from his quad surgery. He's also going really well, so he's out on the track and just getting some volume into him as well. Logan Austin, he's been on the track for a few weeks now and not only working on running, but he's working with Billy Slater on his tackling, um, obviously coming off a shoulder reconstruction. Jack Bytel, after his back surgery, he is in the gym pretty much at full capacity and he's certainly out on the track. He trained last week and he trained this week, so we're really excited about him for the pre-season next year. And in some really good news, uh, Captain Jaron Geary with his fractured fibula is back on the track. He ran today for the first time, so we're pretty excited to have Jaron back out with the group. Next week we'll have a full post-season injury wrap, so make sure you check in for that. Otherwise, we look forward to seeing you in Sydney for the Pride game on Saturday. Go Saints! Let's put a bit on this one. Whoever wins is playing this week. What kind of birds are the only ones able to fly backwards? The bloody hummingbird! And, of course, there's an injury update from Andrew Wallace. We're obviously hoping maybe for some good news on the uh, on the Jade Gresham front and um, relatively clean bill of health, I think, out of the uh, out of the game overall, which was which was nice to see. Uh, and also hearing there the other the pleasing news around Sam Rowe has been confirmed to, to make his debut. I mean, 99 games at, at Carlton. He's been through a lot in his, his life, obviously, and, and most of his football has been played somewhere else. He had 59 hitouts on the weekend in the VFL. Um, I don't mind that recognition for someone who's come onto our list to assist us at a time when we had a lot of injuries getting his recognition in his 100th game, but I guess we'll find out soon. But I wonder who misses for him, uh, because you'd think they can't drop Brown if Buddy plays. I just hope it doesn't mean that Rowan Marshall's sore. Well, I I was a little surprised that Rowan played last week, to be honest, after the the knee. Um, Didn't think we had much to gain by playing him and, and risking him. Obviously, you know, if he was sent out there that wasn't much risk of, of further injury to, to that knee, but um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see him come in for, for Marshall. Uh, like you, I think he's, he's that guy that I think every club has a guy that is brought in to do a role and, and to be a backup and to, to know that they're a backup. Um, by all reports, he's, he's worked really hard the entire year. Um, really good at around the club and, and around the boys. And like you said, 59 hitouts at any level is, is nothing to sneeze at. Um, you know, Give him his 100th game, he deserves it. Are we maybe looking at trying to stretch Sydney's back line? Um, Marshall to centre-half forward. Possibly. Um, I mean, if he's hit, got 59 hit-outs in the reserves, what says he can't come in and get 30, 35? Sydney's ruck stocks aren't great. No, they're decimated so as well, yeah. He, he's, it's a good opportunity for him to actually come in and show if he can ruck well, and if we can... Do we go ahead with the two of them next year? Well, that's right. And even matchups in the other end, I mean, would you go Carlisle to Buddy because of the athleticism, uh, leave Brown out of the side, play Wilkie on Reed or, or something like that? And then obviously they've got uh, Blakey and, and those sorts of players in that forward line too. But 
Um, on the row thing, I think our club's been pretty good at some of those nice touches this year, the way they've you know, awarded players debuts and, and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, in terms of those matchups, is it logical that Steele just goes to Kennedy and... Maybe not. Or maybe not. To, I, I, maybe Heaney even, or something like that. Even have him win his own ball. Yeah. Make make him chase us. They're they're a pretty old slow midfield, really. Um, yeah. Let him get his own ball and see if they can catch us. I, I would love to see Jack Steele play a, a, a game where he is um, a noted ball winner and not a not a player stopper. Um, I think he can do it. Uh, I think it's kind of revived his career up to that point to be given that role, but. Um, we know he can win the ball. Whether he can do it without having the, the focus on the opposition's best midfielder um, is another question. But yeah, I kind of have him in that category of you know, could be a very, very, very good player for us, mm-hmm. even a potential next captain. Um, but he's, he's probably got to add another string to his bow mm-hmm. um, and, and prove that he can he can do it himself. Just maybe let him go. And yeah. if, if someone does get on top of us early, say, oh, jump on him. Heaney or Florent or something. Yep. Who's in danger of getting dropped? Brown, anyone Possibly else? Possibly Brown. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's. Acres yeah. was all right. I thought. Yeah, er, twenty-one er, everyone, possessions or something. Everyone did contributed in a way. Um, it, who had the least possessions? Ben Ben Long had the least possessions. He kicked a blinder he of a kicked, goal again. Gives us energy. He's dangerous yeah. up forward. That's the thing. And the small ground, the small pockets. He mm. he, he could make space on his own, and he, he does things dangerous. that no one else yeah. on our list does. Yeah, it's hard to drop someone you know who's got that X factor. Mm. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. Um, thoughts on our chances? I mean, we haven't beat Sydney since 2012. It was Lenny Hayes' 250th game. Our last win at the SC, or last win in Sydney, was the opening round of 2010, when we were coming off the uh, the grand final the previous year. So, haven't had a great record against them. Uh, they've been in average form. Beat Melbourne last week, but everyone's doing that. Um, I think they're seven and fourteen. Kieran Jack's been struggling for a while, but he'll play his farewell game. Jared McVeigh's been on one leg. He'll play his farewell game. And Buddy will play his 300th, but hasn't played at any level for nine weeks. All three of those players have been superstars, and, and Buddy probably still is. So we've got a bit of emotion to overcome, but I remember Richmond went on the bottom of the ladder beat Essendon in Hurd and Sheedy's last game in 2007. So emotion doesn't mean you win. Um, we'd have to be a chance. Yeah. Well, if that's going in with 20% of their side, underdone. Mm. Um, straight away, you sort of look, well, if we keep our side together from last week, really, or most of them, then we're the fitter team. Let's overrun them. As they are a bit slow. It's one of those games, like you said, they've had the wood on us um, for a while now, and, and especially up there. Um, kind of, You kind of go into it not expecting the win, but when you look at it like that, I think you'd, you'd be disappointed not to win. Um I'd be I'd be really expecting the guys to come out hard and try and bounce back from a disappointing loss. Um, I'd be really disappointed if it wasn't a close game, or th- that we didn't smash it. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be blown out of the water. No. That, that that's that's the one thing that we don't want to see. I mean, if we if we lose by a goal, two goals, sort of thing, but one of the buddies kicks six or something like that, and just want to see you go well, you can't come stop back. Him. Just want to yeah. see him come back. It was it was disappointing last week. Just want to see him come back and, and play hard again. Yeah, a nice way to finish. Uh, something about a double-figure win season. If we could get to 10 and 12. Uh, as we finish, we're going to go out with a couple of audio highlights. Stephen Mill nominated the best goal he ever kicked against at Port Adelaide. First of all, here's that. G. Lowe has had a bad one there. Slipped through. Well, this would be uh, icing on a very rich cake. 
Graham Revolt. Milne's been terrific. He's dangerous here. What a wonderful goal. Oh, that is oh. magnificent. Oh, brilliant. A beauty. And as we finish, we'll give you those two, the left and the right foot goals from Aussie Jones that we're talking about from Waverley before uh, from the game against Carlton in 1997. But, boys, we'll be back uh, next week to wrap the season and then we'll have a couple of chats about trade and, and draft targets. But hopefully we can round it out with a 10 and 12 season, which I think would be a pretty solid effort on the back of everything that's happened this year. I think it'd be a pass mark. Definitely a pass mark for yep. me. Uh, well ahead of what we I think we expected before we came in this year. So... Yep, let's hope that's get the 10 up. Yeah, we can uh, break the hoodoo in Sydney as well. You can uh, catch this in every episode via Spotify and Pitcher and iTunes and also, of course, on our Wooshka channel. And you, if you want to follow and subscribe and jump on all of our socials as well, facebook.com forward slash unplugged, Twitter at unplugged, unplugged podcast on Instagram, or you can send us emails as well if you want information uh, or even partnership type stuff, unplugged at gmail.com. Go Saints for Saturday. Saturday afternoon, 1.45. They worked it pretty well, the Saints. Thompson straight up to half forward. Hall. Lappin. Beautifully. He saw Ozzie Jones going past. And Jones kicks the first goal of the game. He's Zilla. Up towards half forward. Low. Works to the front. Spills to uh, Ozzie Jones. He burns them off. 48 metres out. This is Unplugged, talking all things red, white and black.